What are the latest fishing trends, and where are organizations winning and losing the battle? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Peter Cassidy. He's the Secretary General of the Anti-Fishing Working Group, which is just out with its Q1 2012 Fishing Activity Trends Report. Peter, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Tom, thanks for having us by for the report. Let's talk about a couple of the highlights here. One of the things that jumps out from the report is attacks on brands are at an all-time high. How should we interpret that statistic? Well, it seems as if the bad guys have continued their their campaign against a diversified set of brands, diverging from you know the uh, the bank brands that have been you know the focus of their efforts for the first few years. Now there's just about no brand that seems to be safe, or no kind of company or enterprise that seems to be safe from the scourge of fishing. The fishers are creative and looking at any kind of relationship between a consumer and an enterprise and trying to figure out a way that they could get in between those parties, pretend to be the enterprise, and to figure out a way that would convince the customer that he needed to trust them and then hand over some information that will be useful to them for their criminal enterprise. Peter, one of the other things that jumps out is that there's a spike in the number of unique fishing sites as well. How should we read that? That statistic is really about the efficiency of the bad guys in deploying vast numbers of fishing sites, sometimes in single campaigns, to make it more difficult for the good guys to put down the campaign and to end the violence against the financial violence against the consumers. It really is a. It speaks to more to their strategies uh, that are continuing to get more efficient all the time in terms of opaquing their 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 activity through vast amounts of activity, sort of clouding it. Now, Trojans seem to be the dominant means of infecting PCs. My question for you is, why are Trojans still so successful, and what we can we be doing better to combat them? They're still successful because they're designed first to be um, opaque, to be invisible to a lot of different kinds of um, filtering systems. The only thing you can do, I think, is continue to tune the, the antivirus software to, um, to intercept the stuff and to teach people that their habits of navigation online really matter. If they're wandering around a lot of unknown sites and a lot of unknown places on the web, they expose themselves to infection. So they, they can't just click on link after link after link and click on joke after joke after joke that comes in on the instant messenger and email. They have to use the computer the way they use their car. You just do not go into an abandoned industrial park after 1 o'clock in the morning thinking you're going to find something useful there for yourself. And that's what people do on the Internet. They, they spin their, their, their wheel and they go into parts of the Internet that you know they have no business being. At the end of the day, they pick something up that either infects them directly or exposes them down the line to be infected and abused. So part of it is, you know, it's it's the work of the industry to, to keep coming up with better AV tools, to come up with more secure software, to deploy more secure web pages, but it's also the the bailiwick of consumers and maybe maybe government agencies to get the message across, you know, be careful, be stepwise. Don't go don't go places without a reason on the web. A piece of good news came out of the report, at least that's how I interpret it, and that's that the number of infected PCs is down. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Public awareness. People are getting it. Little shows on the Internet, like, like yours, you know, podcasts, items on uh, the, the, the radio, I mean, in the newspapers, in po- very popular media, like newspapers. You'll pick up the newspaper, and 
just things about phishing and, and financial crime in the business page, in the news page, and in the feature pages. How to keep your kids safe online on the feature page. You know, the damage caused by cybercrime in the business page. Local bank getting attacked in a phishing campaign on the news page. So you see this in the, in the sort of general culture. People are becoming aware, and they're, telling, they're talking about it. They're telling each other, Jesus, how can I be careful about this stuff? How can, how can I use my PC for my online banking? Because I'm doing that now every Sunday afternoon. You know, I come home after church or temple, and I sit down with the, with the ledger and the spouse, and we do our online banking. How can we be safe? So I think part of the, the cultural conversation now is about safety online. And that's a good thing. It's becoming integrated into the general culture of taking care of family, home, and kids. Well, that's good news, and it's great that the awareness is up, the number of infected PCs is down, and yet we're just talking about the attacks on brands at an all-time high and the spike in the number of unique phishing sites. So when does this awareness sort of result in some success in phishing? When it stops making enough money for the bad guys to pursue it, which is it's something that can't be done by awareness alone, you know. I'm aware that bombs are falling around me. It doesn't mean I can stop the, I can stop the war, you know. Um, the public awareness stuff is really sort of more of a public health issue than it is sort of a forensic or response issue. So these numbers come down or they disappear or they or they they maintain at a level over time that never goes up again and becomes part of something that industry man industry and government manages. That's what really winning is. You know, if this becomes let's say we stopped at three hundred and ninety two brands and for the next ten or fifteen years that's what it was. Industry would manage that. So winning is not the same in this kind of context. It's not good to see the stuff continue to rise and continue, continue to see the damage rise. But at some point, you know, we will become efficient enough to make this a manageable and predictable event, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the, the flu in the winter. Well, you've been fighting this flu for a particularly long time, so my question for you is where do you see organizations both winning some of the battles and continuing to lose. They're winning the battles on the operating systems are getting more secure. We're getting, uh, industry's getting more aware at the operating system level of what works, what is abused most often by the bad guys to infect machines, and in software. Development of software now is a keystone of, um, of, a, lot, of a lot of software projects from the get-go is security. It's not something that's built on anymore. It's integrated into the working working specification for software. That awareness on the industrial and development side is, is a huge win. It's changing things. It's making some things easier and some things more difficult for the developers, but at the end of the day, the things that roll out are consistently more secure than things that were rolled out 10 years ago. So that's a win. But we're, losing, we're not losing ground, but we're definitely not gaining ground in the ability for industry and industry, and industry maybe in, 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 in partnership with government to respond in a more unified way. It's one of the things that really has stymied the response community. The bad guys have one great thing going for them. They have a lot of good things going for them. Me and you, Tom, we're on the wrong team sometimes, it appears to me. And they have no rules. They have one imperative, make money. And they have no rules in the way. The rest of us, we have lots and lots of rules. Once you get inside of industry, you have lots and lots and lots of rules. And once you get inside of government, you have oh, my God, rules you can't imagine ever any ever having to deal with in your whole life. Therefore, it's made it really difficult for us, the government industry, to be more unified in their efforts to counter 
cybercrime in a, in a consistent, systematized, and routinized way. And the key is routinized, the ability to, to like, predict. We know this stuff's going to go on. We know this stuff's always going to go on. But we haven't come to the conclusion where, we, where we've decided, whatever we are going to be, how to routinize and make systematic and, as, to, as, to the extent possible, automatically respond to these things and put them down quickly so that we close the window of opportunity of profit on these, on these perpetrators. Peter, over the past year or so, we've seen a number of high-profile data breaches, and at the root of those really were successful phishing attempts. Yeah. What are some of the trends that you're watching now that most concern you when it comes to phishing? The data breaches get the newspaper. The things that really concern me, however, are the, the, the data breaches and attacks that never, ever get show up in the newspaper. Because I'll tell you why. If, if Department Store X gets 15,400,355, you know, 1,625 credit card records stolen, it doesn't mean any of them are actually going to be used. The reason there's a glut of that, that kind of stuff in trade on the web and amongst criminal gangs, they don't have enough bandwidth to actually process it all. The thing that really concerns me is the focus on executive and key personnel fishing. You know, um, some people call it spear fishing. I just call it focused fishing, you know, because they decide, okay, the Northeast Comptroller from that company must have at least a signature authority of five or six figures. If I can fish him and I can get access to the accounts that he has online, I, I should be able to cash out to at least five figures. So rather than buy all these crappy credit card records and try to and try to run a bunch of scams that make me maybe you know a thousand bucks a pop, you know if they work and each one takes a lot of time to cash out, I'm going to concentrate on this guy. He's an interesting guy. He was in an accounting conference. Oh, at this conference on a panel, and he was surrounded by you know four other people. Huh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll send him a nice email from one of the panelists with my slide set because. All the slides are right here for me um, on the conference website. And maybe I get into a nice conversation and back and forth about his presentation. And it's all very nice. And I get enough information from him to figure out a way to get inside his network and get enough information from him to figure out a way to boost the bank and rob from the company's accounts. See what I'm soon getting at? Instead of trying to infect my computer or fish me and you, they infect that guy's computer. The set of PowerPoint slides that they sent infected the computer. They had a nice conversation with them. They got some information with them that would be helpful in a logon once they found out what bank the, the company used. So that kind of spear phishing is the thing that really scares me because that's the kind of thing that could be very damaging to a company in a lot of dimensions and damage a lot of people, you know, employees, you know, the, the enterprise itself in ways that could be resonant throughout, you know, an economy or a region or, 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 or a large company. And really, that's exactly what we're seeing now is much more spearfishing, correct? Yeah, it's become an industry. It's become a discipline all its own. And again, it's rational. It makes it makes a lot of sense. They, you know, the fishers send out a, you know, a hundred thousand emails. They get Tom and Pete. Oh, great! Look at look at we got these guys. And oh my God, the checking account's empty. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't get anything, right? So it, it's rational for them to go after large companies. It's, go, it's rational for them to go after any companies at all. One of the first successful fishing, spear phishing enterprises we saw was against a chamber of commerce in Kentucky, and they went right after the 
they went, didn't even go, in, go after the chief officer. They went after, like, a bookkeeper. And it was just astounding. And the bookkeeper had substantial signature authority. This was, like, 2004, 2005. So, yeah, it's, it, it, that's the thing that really keeps us up at night. Because it's really, it's, it's, you know, conventional fishing, you can do, you, you see a lot, and you can do a lot, and you can respond in a more routine way. Spear fishing is diabolical. You know, it's at, it's at the hands of the the, the the twisted imagination of the attacker. Peter, final question for you. Yes, sir. What advice do you give to organizations that really want to improve their employee and their customer resistance to these sophisticated phishing attempts? Well, first, you should really look at what you're asking your customers to do and asking, and asking how they're responding. You know, if you're an enterprise that has a marketing department that is constantly pumping out Emails with links on them and, and engaging people and banter about lots and lots of lots and lots of different opportunities and stuff like that, and their customers that actually have to engage things like an online account or an online ordering system, you might want to actually get the marketing people in sync with the security people because sometimes they're apart. Sometimes the security people, you know, want to coordinate things better so that. You know, they're not. They're certainly enterprise is not acclimating these people to be fished, and coordinating IT security with the marketing element a little bit. Marketing is not going to go away, but it would make the security guys feel better if they knew that they were included in the conversations about all this outbound communications. And you should actively teach your your customers. This is the way we'll communicate with you. And these are the things we'll ask. And these are the things that you will never be asked. And this is the reason IT is going to be sort of coordinated with the marketing people because they're the communications uh, arm of the, the enterprise to a certain extent, so that you can, so the enterprise itself can plan its own strategy. You know, we don't need to ask them all this stuff. We never will. We should tell them expl- explicitly why, so that they internalize that advice. And you should, you know, if if you have bandwidth and you have resources. Try to generically or generally teach principles to your customers that you think will be of enduring value. You know, chief among them being, we have a an organization we we developed with a group in Washington called the NCSA called the Stop Think Connect Messaging Convention, and we distilled through a lot of research, you know, our slogan which is Stop Think Connect, and it still it still works well for any enterprise. You know, t- if you teach your people one your customers one thing, teach them to slow down, teach them to stop. You know, try to give them some general principles to go by. Nothing so exciting or important that you need to do it immediately. And in fact, if you're being told and that told you have to do something immediately, you might want to stop and think about it for a good long time. You know, because that's exactly the kind of thing that the bad guys, you know, work on, getting you not to stop and getting you to stop thinking and getting you to respond. So I think there's some stuff you need to do internally, even before you have that conversation with your own customers. You know, and, but once you get that right. You know, over time, it matters. Over time in the aggregate, it does matter. Peter, that's great insight. Thanks so much for taking time to speak with me today. All right. Hey, thanks for your help, Tom. The topic has been fishing trends, and I've been talking with Peter Cassidy, Secretary General of the Anti-Fishing Working Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.